town. Hopefully you're not getting cold. It is crazy. I am talking for no reason. All right. Tonight, like I said, I'm talking about the prodigal son. And uh, in that, it's a pretty lengthy passage. And in that, I'm going to break the passage down into what I would consider three acts, scenes. Uh, and in those scenes, they have some subpoints with an overarching theme that I think we can all find throughout each of those acts. And so I'm going to read the passage, and if you want to open your Bibles or look on your phones or pay attention on the four slides that I had to use, I think it was four, to fit this whole passage in there, but hopefully I can read through it fast. It is Luke 15, verse 11 through 32. All right, I'm going to just jump in. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He... And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have, ha have more than enough bread, but I perish here in hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now in verse 25, now the older son was in the field, and, had, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what thing, this, these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. For when, but when his son of yours came, who, have, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Like I said, that is a long passage. I feel like sometimes at church uh, on Sundays, we read like long passages. People read long passages, and that feels like one of them. But I feel like there's so many cool uh, ways that it applies to our life uh, in this parable that Jesus said. So like I said, I'm going to break this parable up into three acts uh, with an overarching theme around them. I think that, like I said, they can apply to both of our lives, uh, and, and we can see what Jesus is saying to not only the disciples, but to our lives as well. And so we break down the first scene, and I would consider this the fall. See, 
We see here in verses 11 through 13, we see that there was a, son, a man who had two sons. And in that, the one younger son denounces his father. He, he denounces himself from his family, se- separating himself from them. He, what, if you don't know what denouncing means, it's like a public um, statement uh, where you're rejecting uh, a, a, st- uh, a person or uh, a belief. And in that, he is, he's really denouncing his father. He, he's saying, hey, dad, I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait until you're dead. Typically, you get your inheritance uh, when your, pa- your dad passes away. But he said, Dad, I wish you were dead. I don't want to be, I don't want to know you. I don't want to know your brother. I want my inheritance now. Uh, and like I said, the younger brother, he just doesn't want him a part of his life. Uh, and what Jesus is saying as, he tr- as he's trying to get this across to us and the disciples is that it is easy and can feel easy sometimes to walk away from your faith, to make wrong choices, um, to... To, to make mistakes and say, hey, you know, God, I, I don't want to follow your path. I want to follow mine. And, and, and I'll bring up later, like the father, there isn't really a rebuttal. There isn't, uh, there's not a comment. There's not a force. Uh, he lets him. And, and I'll get into that later. And I think that is just interesting. So we see in the fall, this, this act, we see the fall of the son, the younger son. So he denounces his father. He denounces his acknowledgement of them and wants the money to squander it. And in that, we find our next point, which is denial. I believe that in the midst of denouncing, there is always a sense of denial. You're trying to convince yourself. You're trying to, to find a way uh, that you, can, you believe that you could do it on your own, uh, that you don't need the Father. You don't need their... You only need the inheritance. You don't need them. Uh, and you, can, you find your way on your own. And so we see that. And so in verse 14, it says... And when he spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to need. See, in this, this fall, uh, Jesus is telling his disciples that when we try to live apart from him, those satisfactions, the things that we feel fill that wholeness and that void, they fade quick. We see that this son, with what I would consider a large sum of inheritance, back in the day, if, they had, if you had a lot of land, it was worth a lot. And in that, the dad divided the land, sold it, and gave the son his inheritance. So it, was a, it wasn't like, you know, oh, I have a good enough, I have like a week's worth of money. Like, this was a lifetime's worth of money and hard work that the dad had worked for. And, and he spent it in months, months, on just mistakes, uh, quick things, you know, like materialistic objects, um, and he began to need, we see. We see that at the end of verse 10. And so in that, we see the son find himself in such a point where he can't even buy his own food that he hires himself out to work in the field with pigs. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't think I would want to work with pigs. They just don't seem like the most fun animals. Maybe they are. I feel like there's some fun videos I see on Instagram where pigs can be fun. But not only that, he doesn't want to just work with them. He wants to eat the food that they are eating because they, he is so hungry and he is so empty and lost that he can't provide for himself. That must have been a real buyer's remorse when he walked away from his dad. He must have really thought, man, I made a mistake. I really, really didn't see that coming. And I think a lot of times in our lives, we can, you know, like I said, not denounce our faith, but kind of walk away from the things. And we can deny, we can tell ourselves, you know, I think I can do this on my own. You know, I, I'm having a little bit of a hard time in school right now, or, you know, life is a little bit harder. I want to figure it out on my own. 
And it's easy to, to walk away from where God is trying to speak to you or turn those blinders on uh, and dive into a lot of other things. I feel like a statement that I think is so true is that life is hard. I was thinking about my life recently, and as I was walking through um, this passage, uh, I thought about all the hard things that I am currently going through and hard things that I have gone through and how I've seen myself turn to, to, to other things. Maybe that was sports, just putting my head down into sports or video games or other things where we can just kind of turn our eyes off of God and say, I'm just going to pretend like nothing's wrong and I'm going to keep diving into a lot of other things. And we can be in denial that these things might be happening, but, but denial that without God, we can't do these things. And so my mom used to tell me this. She used to walk, when I, when I would come home and I'd be like, Mom, I feel like I can't think in school. Or, Mom, I don't know why my brain, I'm not motivated enough in school. Or, like, I just feel like I'm bouncing on the ground. And I, like, with ADHD, it was hard. I wasn't on medicine. And it was just like, God, why am I like this? And I was so mad at God. And I just wanted to figure things out on my own. And my mom would say to me, she would laugh. And she'd always go, all right, Brett, that's fine. You know, if you want to figure out your stuff on your own or you think that, you know, without God you can do it, then why don't you go a week with just not thinking about God? Why don't you go a week with, you know, not picking up your Bible or not thinking about this or don't go to midweek this week or, you know, don't go to church on Sunday. See what's going to happen. And I remember that week, I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let's see how it goes. And so I went day one and I was like, oh, you know, this isn't that bad. Like, ha, ha, ha. And then I remember day three, I was like, man, I don't know. I've never felt this empty. I've never felt like, I felt like I was trying to, like, like, like I said, jump into a lot of other things. Like, for me, it was swim. I was like, well, I'll just, you know, I'll go to extra practices and I'll do lifting. And I remember coming home and being like, man, I want more. I, I, I don't know why. Like, this is not enough. It's not hiding my, my anxiety. It's not hanging, hiding my depression. It's not enough. And so in that, I remember my, I walked up to my mom after and I said, mom, that was way harder than I thought. And she goes, in life, it is without God, nothing is possible. And without God, we, we, we have to carry our own burdens. And I think that's a hard truth to take. And so now we get into the second scene. And this scene, I, can, I called it the forgiven. And so in this, we see, in this scene, we see, we're going to read, well, we've read uh, Luke 15, 17 through 24. And that's kind of this next section. And so my first point in that is we see the son uh, is at like a breaking point. The son is what I would consider hopeless. There's a sense of hopelessness within the son. And he knows that he won't survive much longer upon his own. He can't eat this pig slop anymore without getting sick. He, he doesn't have much left. There's nowhere else to turn. And so like we said, we're going to read verse 17 through 19 real quick. And that says, But when he came to himself and he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here in hunger? I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. We see a son that sees he has nowhere else to turn but his father. Every move he has made by himself has only led him to being more lost. So with great shame and a sense of unworthiness, he heads towards his father's house. Not even expecting, uh, not even expecting to be considered his son. So I think that's got to be, man, I can't even imagine, like, you're at one point where you have, you have nowhere else to go. So you think to yourself, man, maybe my dad will take me back. Maybe my dad will take me back, and he will hire me as a servant, not even a son. Don't even acknowledge me as a biological son to you, but to hire me as a servant. That's got to be such a humiliating statement. That's the last resort he feels. 
And so in that, I think what Jesus is reiterating is that without him, we are hopeless. Without him, and when we don't turn to God, we, we find ourselves lost and empty. But I think the next part of this forgiven act is why I love this story so much. See, the son was met with overwhelming happiness. The father sees his son in the distance and runs to embrace him. And like I said, what I love about this is that even when the son admits his wrongs and surrenders himself to the father, as a servant, the dad ignores that statement. We read here, and he completely disregards it and rejoices in his son. See, we read in verse 24, which is on the, it says, For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. And so I think that is just such a cool encapsulation of what life is with Christ. That when we make mistakes, even though we aren't worthy, he still runs after us and rejoices. No matter how unworthy you feel or how angry you may be towards God, you will be given the same reaction the Father gave the Son to our Father with Christ. See, life is full of mistakes, sins, wrong choices, choosing the wrong path. I, trust me, I make a lot of mistakes, and I'm sure you guys do as well. But in that, when we choose God's plan, when we choose to submit ourselves to him and surrender ourselves to God and, and turn back to him, we are met with rejoicing and comfort, and we are celebrated. And so now we find ourselves in the final act of this parable. This scene could have, could have been its own talk. I feel like there's the, the, parable, the parable, it talks about two sons. And this one I considered scene three, which is Luke 15, 25 through 32. And that is what I would consider the feud. And so in the feud, we see a son come back from the field, the older son, the one that has been with the father. He's been steadfast in the work. He has worked hard and the son here, music and, and dancing. And, and he calls to a servant. And he says, What's, what the heck is happening? Why? I just came back from a hard day's of work. Like, why? What is going on? And the servant says to him, and we read that in 20, verse 27, that your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the son, he, but it says he was angry and he refused to go. His father came out and entreated him. And so I think what we see now in this, in this act, we see the older son with a sense of confusion. We read verse 25 that, like, yeah, the other older brother was confused. He heard noises. He didn't understand what was happening. And I think when I read this, uh, I think it's interesting that the son, instead of rejoicing, he is angry. It says he was angry and refused to go in. When he was told why... And, and in that, instead of rejoicing and celebrating his brother's return, you see, like I said, that he was filled with anger. And I think sometimes we as Christians can find ourselves with this posture of judgment. Maybe it's a, a friend who, you know, walked away from the faith um, or, you know, someone in school or someone you know in sports that, you know, stopped really, you know, following God's path. You saw him kind of take take these, what we would consider inheritance, and just kind of do their own thing. And then one day, you know, they show up at church. And, you know, some people are rejoicing. Oh, it's so good to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. And I think sometimes, as Christians, we, we think to ourselves, why, I've been here the whole time. Like, why are we celebrating him? 
And we have this posture of confusion. And I think that's what gets me to my next point here. And that is comparison. See, when we look at our sins, we look at the sins of other people. We forget the sins we commit daily. We are so quick to shield off off all shots towards us, defend ourselves, but shame others. We are called to emulate Christ, but by doing so, we need to live in compassion and not comparison. See, we read in this verse, we see that the son then questions his dad. It says in verse 29, it says, But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, his, but when this son of yours came, who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf, there's immediately, instead of looking at his own life, he immediately looks at the, his younger brother. He goes, he's been gone the whole time. Why don't I get the fattened calf, Dad? I have friends. We like to eat. He immediately blames and compares himself to his younger brother instead of celebrating his younger brother. And I think we do that sometimes subconsciously and consciously in our thoughts and our minds. And that's a really convicting statement. See, I truly believe that no good deed comes from comparing yourself to someone else, especially when it comes to faith. See, my, the, I think as we've now looked at these three acts, we come to this theme that I think is very obvious in some respects, and sometimes it is, is hard to see, and that is the Father's love. When we find these examples of the Father's love, in every, we, can, we see them in all, this whole parable. And so in, in Act 1, we see that in Luke 15, 12, and it says, And the younger, younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them. Man, I can't even imagine as a dad thinking that the, my younger son comes to me, someone who I had raised, comes to me and said, Hey, Dad, I wish you were dead. I, wish, I, I, want, the, I want the land now. I want the money now. How much that hurt. Yet in that, you, you see that there isn't a, like an argument. There isn't like, no. There, there is a yes, and he divided the property between them. See, he loved his son so much that he let him go. He loved him so much that he would not force him to stay, yet he would mourn the loss. And I think that's what God does with us. You know, God's not going to force us to stay in his faith. But what I love about this story and what I think we get in the next act is that when we return we see rejoicing. And that's what brings us to this, this next act and, and the Father's love within that. And we, we're going to read the whole thing because Luke 15, 20 to 24 says, and he rose and came to his father, but while he was away, a long way off, he, the father saw him and felt compassion instantly and ran and embraced and kissed him. The son then says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe not a robe, the best robe, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. The, the fattened calf is something that they've been saving for a sacred and an important celebration. And he said, this is the time. My son is back. See, for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. See, once we decide that we can't do this without him, we are greeted with a father that will run to us. A father that will rejoice in our return, that, that, that will love you without condition, even when we reject him, even when we walk away from him, even when we subconsciously and intentionally turn our backs and our eyes off of him, he will still pursue us. 
just like this younger son, we aren't worthy of that kind of reaction. Just like the son expected. We're not, he wasn't expected for the dad to do all these things. He was expected to be hired as a servant. See, our sins were paid for by Christ on the cross. But in that, we have to, we have to believe that. We have to acknowledge the forgiveness that he has given us. And acknowledge that when we turn back to him, that we are saved by grace through his faith and his sacrifice for us. And so now we get to the third act where we see the father's love. And, and, and we read that in verse 15, 31 through 32. And this is him talking to the young older brother. And it says, And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive, and he was lost and he is found. See, we see the father now in the midst of what is a celebration take the time to meet the older brother where he was and affirm him in the steadfastness and acknowledge his deep love for his son. The father wants the older brother to see the faithfulness, that faithfulness precedes compassion, that when we are faithful to God, we must show compassion to those who are struggling and embrace them as Christ embraces all of us. See, like I was saying, we, have, we do have those thoughts about ju- with judgment, and when we, but God calls us to embrace and show compassion to those around us. See, my main idea tonight is that once we acknowledge and truly believe in God, believe God's love for us, that is then when we are free from our burdens. Once we acknowledge and truly believe in God's love for us, that is then when we are free from our burdens. Stop allowing life's burdens to hold you back and give it all to God tonight. Those struggles are no longer yours to bear. When we turn our eyes back to God, when we, we, we look at him and we walk that, that direction and we start to follow him, those, those burdens we have on our shoulders are for him and he is reaching out to take them. Those struggles that we have may, may come up and rise again, but in that he will walk with us and meet us where we are. Once we acknowledge and truly believe in God's love for us, that is then when we are free from our burdens. And so tonight, I'm going to end with this prayer, and then we can head to small group, but I hope that this is one that can be personal, and you can be vulnerable enough and show humility in this, and and I'm going to pray it right now. Lord, I can't do it without you. I'm tired of trying to find ways to fill that void. I believe and receive your love and ask that you take my burdens, my mistakes, my shame, because I know you died on the cross for me. I acknowledge and believe in your plan for my life. And here I am right now, surrendering it all to you. Lord, I love you. And I praise you in your holy and precious name. Amen.